The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Hello and welcome to another episode, another edition of Setting the Record Straight, a podcast of Reconstructionist Radio. My name is Russell Trawick, and I'm pastor of Christ Covenant Church in Alvin, Texas. This is an interactive podcast where we welcome questions about theonomy, postmillennialism, covenantalism, presuppositional apologetics, or reformed theology in general. Please don't hesitate to contact us on Facebook at our Setting the Record Straight podcast page or going to our main page, Reconstructionist Radio. In my last podcast episode, Prophetic Preaching, I addressed why many Christians don't have answers to most questions as relating to Scripture. The premises were that there was no power, no boldness, and no purpose in most preaching from pulpits today, but rather a mystical form of spirituality and hyper-intellectualism or Gnosticism. There is very little obedience from the pulpit to equip the saints for ministry and service, but rather a reliance on the pulpit for all aspects of knowledge and evangelism and so on. So what happens when the opposite occurs? What happens when faithful prophetic preaching truly does occur? Does a congregation, the people of God, have a responsibility in this as well, or is it just the pulpits to blame when there is no fruit? There are two responses to powerful and prophetic preaching. In the last episode, I ended with this, and I'm just going to quote it instead of playing it back for you. Powerful, purposeful, and prophetic preaching begins and ends with God at His Word, For the same God who said in Malachi 3.10, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It's the same God who said in Joel and in Acts 4, And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now if those preachers can preach on obedience to God in tithing and believe he will open up the floodgates of heaven with blessings, then they better be consistent by obedience to the prophetic preaching. For when they obey God in heralding the word from the Lord, he will pour down more than a blessing. The people of God are empowered not just to remain in their holy huddles, they will be equipped to put on the full armor of God, and they will approach the battlefield ready to go to war against our enemy, the devil." The people of God will prophesy and nations will turn from their sin to the Lord and repentance and be saved to the glory of God and Christ Jesus alone. 
So the first response to powerful and purposeful prophetic preaching is that people will be equipped and empowered to fulfill God's purpose in building His kingdom. This is the result that should be expected when the pulpit faithfully proclaims the whole counsel of God's word. Faithful shepherds under the leadership of the Holy Spirit build faithful flocks. In scripture we find many important writings on the requirements and responsibility of shepherds of God's flocks. We find that overseeing the flock of God is given criteria in 1 Timothy 3 verses 1-7 through when it says this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace or into the snare of the devil. The criteria are very specific here. Starting with the desire to oversee the flock of God while not lording it over them. The shepherd overseer is to have good character, good reputation, and it's imperative for him to be able to lead his family if he's to lead the church. 2 Timothy 4, 1-5 tells us that shepherds are to feed, correct, and train the flock of God, fulfilling the ministry. Ezekiel 34 tells us that shepherds are not to rob God or his flock lest they be cursed. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 7-10 through tells us that the shepherds are to be diligent not to be a burden to the people. Yet at the same time, according to 1 Timothy 5, verses 17-18, the shepherd deserves appropriate wages for his work. All of this is important, including that a shepherd be faithful over God's flock. But this episode is not about the faithfulness of the shepherd but about the responsibility of the sheep, the hearers of the prophetic message. I know that many people judge the effectiveness effectiveness of a church by its pastor, by his preaching, by the way the music goes. But Scripture also tells us in James 1, which I think is what we need to take heed of this morning or today, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Yes, I know that there are shepherds out there today that do not preach the whole counsel of God. But there are many who do faithfully proclaim the word of the Lord and use it rightly as 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 exhorts them. When these shepherds do fulfill their ministry, when they do fulfill their responsibility, why is it that sheep do not respond in obedience to God's word? Why is it that some stray off? Why do they not respond to prophetic preaching? What is a shepherd to do? Well, this reminds me of a blog article I wrote a while back. And this, therefore, leads us to the second response to prophetic preaching. How are we to understand and respond to unchanging, fruitless, straying sheep? These are what I call greener pasture sheep. 
Not greener pastor sheep, but pasture sheep. Most expectations lead to the idea of a shepherd chasing after that lost sheep and carrying them back to the fold. Yes, that's the example given in Luke 15.4, but that is not what I'm discussing here or even implied by the meaning of that passage of Scripture. The problem I see most often is not only that a lost sheep wanders off, but when the shepherd goes off and finds it, the sheep goes off and does it again and again and again. The lost sheep desire to spend more time away from the sheepfold than with it. I tell you, this particular type of sheep look, act, and sound more like goats than anything else. I understand goats because I raise goats. It amazes me that a goat can be standing in a pasture with grass higher than its head, and it would stick its head through the fence to the other side to get a bite of subpar or less nourishing morsels, many times leaving the goat with its head stuck in the fence or being shocked by the electric containment fencing. Many of these lost sheep type are the same way. They see the greener pastures of money, work, new jobs, sports, hobbies, entertainment, etc., and they run off dining on the tender morsels they so desire in their hearts. They enjoy this pasture until they pick their heads up and see even yet greener pasture than before, and they drift off into it, indulging themselves in the morsels they desire more and more of. Each new pasture they see gets better and better in their minds until that moment where they find themselves trapped beneath the load of debt, work, and dissatisfaction. Yet when they look up, they don't see the sheep folding longer, nor the shepherd, and they recognize they are alone. These sheep will often begin calling out for the shepherd of the flock, and maybe he hears them, and hears their call, and comes and rescues them, and brings them back into the sheepfold. When they get back to the sheepfold, they notice that other sheep there are well-fattened and looking much better than themselves. In fact, they notice how skinny and disheveled they have become from all their running about to and fro, and they cannot comprehend how they got that way. How is it that these sheep that stayed with the shepherd seem so much better off? Maybe it's because he likes them more or gave more care to them. Maybe they were his favorites. Maybe he didn't care about the lost sheep after all as much, and he forgot about them. Maybe if he had paid more attention, more close attention to the lost sheep, they would have not been as bad of shape. Maybe. But what if that's not the case? What if the sheep of the sheepfold understood their shepherd and stayed with him and followed him, just as Psalm 23 talks about our Lord? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I'm not saying that pastors in churches have the same equivalent as the great shepherd. I'm not saying that our church members are to bow down at the feet of their pastors. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying has to do with these sheep and their response 
to the pastor's preaching. Their response to powerful, purposeful, prophetic preaching. So what if the sheepfold understood their shepherd and stayed with him and followed him? What happens if the lost sheep did not? What if in the midst of their entire search to dine on the morsels of the greener pastures, they were really dining on that which was leading to their death? By the way, not all the greenery in the pasture is good for sheep to eat, but can become toxic, ending in the death of the sheep. The shepherd would know this, but the sheep unwilling to follow the shepherd or being enticed by the greener pastures would not and might meet their utter destruction. What if the shepherd was feeding them quality feed and calling them to come and dine on it, and they were showing up to the feed trough a little late, missing out on the best and getting the leftovers. They were becoming malnourished, not because of a lack of feed, but because there was always plenty, but that they were being distracted by other things and just showed up late regardless of the shepherd's past promptings. Is all of this the shepherd's fault? Is the shepherd not doing his job? Do they have grounds to stand upon in claiming that this shepherd has become neglectful to them during their wanderings while taking care of the sheepfold that benefited from the shepherd's guidance? This is what happens in churches today. There are many in our churches that claim to be a part of the sheepfold, but rather are lost sheep that act like goats heading for damnation. They are always being sucked away into greener pastures that are mere mirages and morsels of this life that are leading to their destruction. Their church shepherds call out to them and chase after them, bringing them back time and time again just to have them wander off again and again and again. When they do come to their senses, recognizing they have strayed so far they can no longer recognize the sheepfold or the shepherd, they cry out to him. Yes, and maybe he hears them and comes and rescues them and brings them back to the sheepfold. But here's where the two stories of the illustration come together. When those who have strayed look around, though, they might see some new faces. Or the sheepfold looks a little bit different. These people talk differently and they talk about things that these wandering sheep don't understand or aren't interested in. They wish the shepherd would nurse them back to health by dumbing things down a bit and simplifying things because they are skinny and disheveled when it comes to the word of God and they just can't comprehend what is being talked about. For while they were out in the wanderings of the greener pasture life, they dined on very little of the word of God. And they are malnourished and some are sick with sin because they dined on the wrong things. Maybe they showed up to church occasionally or late in a rush, never truly prepared to hear from the Lord and be fed. Maybe they are malnourished because the whole time they are there with the sheepfold, they are distracted with the worries of this life or the football game or the party afterward or that new trinket they haven't gotten to play with or work that still needs to be done at home and, and, and abroad. They begin to notice that the other sheep of the sheepfold hang on the words of their shepherd, and it seems that they have a different relationship. It seems that they almost know how to finish each other's sentences and laugh at jokes that the wandering sheep just seem out of the loop on. It seems they are, they are now outsiders to the church. Is the shepherd not doing his job? Do these wandering lost sheep have grounds in which to stand in claiming that this shepherd has been neglectful to them while he has been taking care of the sheepfold that remained and benefited from the shepherd's guidance? No, friends, this shepherd has done all he can do. He can leave the 99 to go after the one lost sheep, but 
How many times? When is enough going to be enough? When will the wandering sheep be responsible? How many times will the shepherd go searching for the lost sheep to the detriment of the sheepfold? How long will he hold back spiritual food so the wandering sheep can catch up and get their act together all to the detriment of the rest of the sheepfold? Well, it is not right, it is not fair for a faithful shepherd, shepherd to have to compete with greener pastures. He knows what you need. He should not have to recreate the greener pasture experience to get you to come back to church or to keep you at the church. You either love the Lord, your shepherd and your sheepfold, or you don't. Don't hold your church shepherd responsible that you're distracted with the morsels of greener pastures of of this life. Take personal responsibility. You must repent of your idolatry. You need to learn to use some self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit if you're in Christ, and live for King Jesus along with the other sheep of the sheepfold. You need to spend some time with them in worship. You need to send some you need to spend some time in fellowship at the feed trough, building community with them. It's important to note that in Luke 15 that there is rejoicing over the one who is brought back in repentance. If a wandering sheep keeps leaving the sheepfold because they idolize greener pastures and comes back to the sheepfold, but never in repentance, that sheep is looking, yes, it is acting and sounding like a goat more than a sheep. And goats don't belong in the sheep pen. Friends, let me remind you that Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, tells us that goats will be separated out at the last day to their destruction. The question you must ask yourself today is whether you are a sheep or a goat. 1 John 2, 3 through 6 tells you that if you're a sheep, then you need to produce fruit in keeping with being a sheep. If you're acting like a goat, you just might be one. The old saying is, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it might just be a duck. I call you, if you are a goat, to repent and be reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. I must say, there is no room for goats in the church, and as faithful shepherds, we must not allow them either, but protect our sheepfold. I challenge you to make faithfully attending Church in preparation for church, if you are a sheep, and uh, to make that, those things uh, a priority in your family today, you'll be spiritually healthier and your church will be stronger. The church across this world and time will benefit as well because neither goats nor the gates of hell will ever prevail against the church of the living God. I want to give a good example this morning or today as, as we close. Several years ago, I set out a goal for our church to be the most spiritually mature and equipped congregation in our town. Doing so means preaching the whole counsel of God's word, and it takes hard work. It takes patience and a willingness to endure long stretches of time in order for the application of God's word to our everyday, to our everyday lives, our church, our families, our employment, and our government. This is not something that is popular, and it causes many to become squeamish and walk away. For example, currently I am preaching through the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and R.J. Rushdie's The Institutes of Biblical Law. 
It is more important for me to equip the saints rather than to entertain the saints. It's, it is more important to me to take on the difficult subjects and questions rather than indulge the flesh and take the easy way out. See, I have an expectation that my congregation will read, study, and prepare weekly. I have an expectation that they will apply God's word to their lives and that it will be the center of their purpose in Christ Jesus to build his kingdom. Whatever befalls them, they should ask, what does God's word say? Now, I'm not saying I'm the perfect pastor or the perfect communicator, nor is our church. But this is what we do at Christ's Covenant Church and what is expected. See, the preaching is powerful, it's purposeful and prophetic. And their response is obedience to God and His Word. My question today, are you responding to that prophetic preaching in a way that honors God and obedience? Are you just acting like a straying sheep or a lost goat? Those are questions you have to ask. And those are questions that you have to uh, settle with the Lord today. Thank you. And God bless you and yours. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.